Fonts, we are back with the podcast, and I have been away from the microphone uh, for plenty of reasons. Many are good reasons. It's summer, getting out, enjoying the sunshine, doing art projects, and if you are following my band, Haley and the Crusher, you know that we've been doing a ton of really fun shows. Thanks to everyone who's made those shows fun and gotten involved, and I really enjoy the fact that we're able to, like... I don't know, have an interactive experience with you guys. So thank you so much for all of the love that you've shared. We have been booking a Pacific Northwest tour that's coming up in September. So it's like our first real kind of tour going farther out from California. So I really hope to meet you. I hope that you come out to the shows. Uh, September 6th and 7th, we are in Portland. In September 8th, we are in Seattle. On September 9th, we're in Tacoma. And September 10th, we are in Bellingham. Bellingham gets a lot of extra uh, syllables because you guys are really nice in Bellingham. I feel like all you girls, especially, all you women out there have been really, really nice and welcoming. And um, just replying to my emails. Thank you for replying to my emails, okay? That sounds so trite, but it really does mean the world to a musician who is reaching out and does not know a ton about your area. I am here to learn. I'm so stoked to meet you. Moving on, the show today is all about my amazing, brave, badass, courageous, loving, sweet, smart sister, Chakra Eve. That's Y-V-E-S. Yes, she got the cool French last name and the cool hippie first name because Duh, she's my older sister. She's always been like 10 million times cooler than me. That's just how the, like, the laws of the world work. If your older sibling isn't cooler than you, there's something wrong, okay? Because they need to get you into all the cool shit so then you can become cool. And that is exactly what my sister was to me and still is to me. She taught me about Rocky Horror Picture Show and Pink Floyd and David Bowie Speaking of David Bowie, we are discussing how the worst of David Bowie can show us the best in ourselves today, but more on that later. I just remember listening to lots of music with her, making these kind of fake music videos, using our stuffed animals to make these dramas, and she'd always create these super elaborate costumes for all of our little um, adventures. Uh, We would do um, Clue, like the movie Clue. We did that with our stuffed animals. <laughs> we did um, a- Annie and we had the like the mean lady who watches the kids. I can't remember her name right now. Um, Chakra created an entire outfit um, for her out of paper, um, toilet paper rolls because we made marionettes naturally. Um, so we've just been very creative together and I think that she's inspired my creativity a lot. She is a fabulous painter, fabulous uh, singer, fabulous actress. She really can do lots of different things. And she definitely was my first portal into punk rock as a thing, making your own clothes. Um, We grew up in a small town, uh, first in Hermosa Beach and then in Atascadero. And my sister was always bold and out there and wearing a Ziggy Stardust, you know, face makeup or shaving her head. You know, she got me into all sorts of stuff that just wasn't really available at that time, like Buddhism and uh, Jane Eyre. And these are all really random things, but just 
Like that is what her purpose, that is what a big sister's purpose is, is to show you that there's more out there than what you think and to be your little partner in crime. And she was certainly my partner in crime. Um, but today I'm not gonna just talk about how great she is. Oh my God, cause I could go on forever. And um, that could get really weird. <laughs> I don't know if you want me to just, you know, continue to ramble in about our uh, childhood days. Uh, it could be interesting. We could get into some interesting stuff, but what I really want to focus on is the fact that my sister has taken this leap of faith that was really brave and something that I feel like inspired me really greatly and I think could inspire you because taking a leap of faith is not easy in the small ones, the big ones, and hers were certainly um, quite big. So like I said, she's very artistic and she was... Um, you know, sewing sequins onto these lavish gowns for beach beach blanket Babylon, which if you live in the Bay Area or know of the Bay Area, you will know that's a big hullabaloo production out there. And she was using her her artistic skills to be part of that ensemble. And for a lot of different reasons, she decided that she was going to take a total different career move and become a coder, like a computer coder. Her boyfriend, David, is also in that field. And she's always been good at problem solving and very good at math and a lot of the skills you need for that um, that profession. But still, it's kind of like a crazy thing to do. Like, I'm going to become a computer coder. Like, to be honest, our family was like, whoa. Like, we all believed in her that she could do it. But it was really kind of amazing to see her just completely change her direction. So in um, summer 2014, she started her boot camp for coding, which by the way, is a field that is not very populated with women. So that was kind of a cool thing to see her like just take a splash into that field, um, especially with all the programmers in the Bay Area. Um, and she did very well. I mean, she's still learning, but um, 17 months later after uh, starting this whole new adventure and this new career and kind of like learn just relearning all these different uh, rewiring all these things in her brain to 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 do this she decided okay well I'm gonna make another big change and that was to move to Berlin and she doesn't know German or didn't know German she's learning German now but that wasn't like something she was fluid in I don't think she'd ever been to Berlin before and it just was kind of a crazy idea but she did it. She was like, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. And her and David took off to Berlin. And I am so proud of her. So without further ado, I'm dropping you into um, my sister's kitchen. Um, I was so lucky to visit her in June and take a romp around her neighborhood. And here we are just listening to Eartha Kit. I love men because why the hell not? We got the record player going and we are enjoying all of Eartha Kit's growls. And I think you will enjoy them too. Ow.
We are listening to Eartha Kitt, I Love Men, a fine record found in a shop in Sweden. No, this was a, a, a vintage store in Berlin. This record cost one euro. Not to be confused with the other record, uh, the other terrible record of today, which <laughs> is David Bowie, The World of David Bowie, with such titles as Uncle Arthur, <laughs> There is a Happy Land, In the Heat of the Morning. In the Heat of the Morning. I would like um, to maybe talk about one song per record because these are both really terrible and that would be fun so David Bowie where do we start Uncle Arthur what was it he likes money Uncle Arthur he likes money Uncle Arthur he still reads comics I guess people haven't been reading comics for a long time hmm you'd have to ask Reed about that (laughs) When do people start reading comics? (laughs) I love it. Chakra, tell us where we are right now, because I can't, um, I can't pronounce our, your neighborhood. Berlin Friedrichshain. Can you say that again? Friedrichshain. Friedrichshain. Is that correct? Mm Mm-hmm. And can you give some context as to where that is in Germany? Um, it's in northeastern Berlin. And what are what are you doing right now? Right now, I'm cleaning makeup and glue off of eyelashes, fake eyelashes. Why? Um, because I'm not sure which eyelashes I want to wear to tonight's 1920s and 30s party. And where are we sitting right now? In my kitchen, with the view of the TV tower. And there are heart-shaped balloons on the wall for my 30th birthday, which is really cute. Hmm. And that's what we're hearing in the background here is tinsel. I bought them at the dollar store and three of the hearts popped in my face. But it was still worth it. Just like most love situations. (laughs) (laughs) Usually it pops in your face. It does pop in your face. Wow. Let's talk about your favorite David Bowie song on the record. On this record? Yeah. Hmm. And we'll put it on briefly. Uh. Um, my favorite? I mean, which one's the worst? Oh, that's hard to say. Probably Sell Me a Coat. Okay, I think so too. Let's play a little Sell bit of it. Sell Me a Coat that's made of silver. Something like that. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. Because we were discussing that if David Bowie can make this shitty of a record, then anybody <laughs> could make any record, any time. Yeah. We can still grow up to make um, Diamond Dogs or Low. Takes
we're done. We're done. <laughs> we should talk about your um, David Bowie uh, inspiration because I did, got into David Bowie through you. So you should tell me how you got into David Bowie. Um, I think I first saw The Labyrinth when I was six or seven. No, maybe that came out in 1999. So I watched it probably the year that it came out hundreds of times. I remember watching it with you. It did not come out in 1999, though. No, 89. Yeah, okay. I was going to say. That's maybe crazy. Early 90s. No. Her clothes, though? Uh. That's neither here nor there. Mm. But no, I do remember watching that movie several times. I remember the part during the dance, um, slap that baby, make him pee. Wait, is that right? Yeah. Or is it make him free? Both. It's both. I think it's make him pee. Okay, that's that makes sense. That that checks out. Uh, <laughs> he had glittery silvery makeup and like an amazing poofy magical hair. It's probably the scene where he goes to the ball with her. Yeah. She looks like this gorgeous ornate doll. Yeah, that's true. And he has an evil mask and he turns into an owl and he can walk upside down up and. Escher staircase. That's true. That's a good thing to put in a personal ad. Just all the things you just said. <laughs> can you can you walk up the staircase upside down? The bulge was good can though. You wear stretch pants. I remember as a pot? kid noticing his pants being really really tight. They were really tight. And like being like, hmm, what what's that? <laughs> Sorry. It's he's a very um, enticing weird person. Hmm. But I find kids like me because I look weird and I'm very colorful and they look at me like I'm a cartoon character. So Yeah, I think they think that I'm a Muppet. Yeah, pretty much. I feel that. So let's talk about how when you moved here, which was six months ago. And I think it would be interesting to talk about the tech industry because it's not, not very uh, women centered like there's a lot of like bro what did you call them programmers programmers yeah there's a lot of programmers out there and i wonder if you have any um you're kind of like a unique person to be in that field because you're ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) yeah because of my background doing costuming um and performance and just my general aesthetic which is over the top and campy people assume that i'm going to be a designer Um, But actually, I'm interested in the more complicated back-end design problems, Um, basically the logic behind how things work. And I don't know, maybe it's because it's so different from everything that I've ever done. But do you feel like people underestimate you because they see you and they don't really think that you're going to be like the programmer and then you're like, psych? Um, I haven't really had that experience. Like, I've never been in a situation where people are like, oh, are you a developer? And, like, in surprise, but I know that has happened to a lot of women. Yeah. Um, Usually they're just like, yeah, we really want to hire women. Oh, so, like, everyone's just trying to hire as many women as possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is good. Have you had any other experiences that were surprising in terms of, like, what you, like, something you didn't expect? Especially coming from, like... Like, we should give them some backstory. Like, living in the Bay Area for, what, 15 years or 10 years? Around. Around there. And then, like, leaving and going to not only a new country, but also, like, a new job. Like, that whole thing is, like, really crazy to me. Um, 
it was unexpected that I was going to be looking for a new job here because when we moved, I already had a job. I was working remotely for a small company based out of Colorado. And I wasn't really prepared for dealing with the cultural differences in a German-based company. Yeah. Or like an international company. And they're just really like sort of awkward, sometimes funny and sometimes like bad things that happen when... Yeah, English is your base language, but no one speaks it very well. And there just can be a lot that's lost in transition. Yeah. So, like, people know, like, how to say, like, basic stuff, but they don't understand what the, like, pleasantries are, like, the little things. Right. There might be pleasantries, or there just might be different expectations about, like, standards or follow-up. Like, I've experienced here in Germany... If you do something like rent an apartment, they won't send you a confirmation letter that says, like, oh, we received your deposit. What? No. (laughs) Wait, why? I don't know. That seems, like, bad on their part. So. You know how, like... like in America, we're always looking for, like, confirmation. Yeah. A receipt with everything. Um, I don't remember where I heard this, but, like... Um, now, if I don't want to like go back and forth on an email chain, I'll just re- put no reply, no reply necessary at the end, hmm. which I understand could seem really rude to some people or very like probably kind of German in a way, like <laughs> like okay, we're done, like we're just done, so I don't have to get another email that's like oh thanks again or like hmm. oh I got your email. I got your email, like hmm. I'm kind of it might be refreshing to have a little bit of that, right? It's but all, it's but all is it about yeah. Like, having your expectations met and when you first moved to a new place like first I just thought everyone was rude all the time yeah like, I just didn't understand like why don't people ask to help you when you go shopping for shoes like why don't people ask if you need anything when you're in a restaurant like they won't come ever unless you ask them to but also like this used to be East Berlin and like East Germany and coming from Russian culture like service is not part of it and you are lucky if there's anything on the shelves so it's more um a feeling of privilege for the people that are selling something than the people that are buying things yeah you're just like lucky if they serve you and like bring you anything and that's like the overriding attitude and service in berlin how has that that's why i have everything delivered by amazon (laughs) (laughs) including fish apparently you can get fish now from amazon so please note that (laughs) I haven't tried it yet. That sounds really gross. I'm not going to eat your your drone fish. It sounds terrible. No, it's like guaranteed live caught. And it comes from some company called um, uh, Nordsea. It's a Swedish company. It's like all fish. It's like fish fast food and fresh fish. They should call it like fin fly or something. <laughs> or like... I sound like I'm working for Nordsea right now. It sounds like you're trying to sell me something on Shark Tank. Like I'm not <laughs> buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. I'm out. <laughs> For this reason, I am out. So how has the culture both helped and hindered you? Because sometimes it can be interesting to go to a new culture and like it changes your perspective on things in good and bad ways. Um, I think I value close relationships more um, when I do find people that are really genuine and ready to be engaged on a deep level. Because I think it takes years to get to know Germans. So when I meet other expats or Germans that are like open-hearted, I really cherish them. Like, let's have tea now. Let's make it happen now. Um, Whereas in San Francisco, I might've been more flaky. Or or, standoffish. 
No, I was never really like that. I've always yeah. like bonded really easily with people and had really tight knit friendships. Um, so I just I value that aspect of California, like Northern California culture. Yeah, that people are, and in Colorado too, that people are really willing to share their personal experiences and struggles and like be open to a deep relationship. Yeah. Um, Northern Europeans are not so much that way. Like it takes a long time to build trust. Tell me about it. I never felt more American than when I was in Berlin. Let me tell you that much. And if you are a weird, silly, smiley, touchy-feely, overly friendly American, you probably know a thing or two about comic books. If you live in San Luis Obispo, California, you may want to stop by Dr. Kane's Comics and Games and pick up some Cards Against Humanity, um, some Swamp Thing, some Snot Girl. I don't know what you want to pick up. Just come in and check it out, okay? Uh, We also want to thank Dr. Kane for always uh, tirelessly editing this podcast and EQing it and making it sound perfect. So thank you, Dr. Kane. Now back to my conversation with Chakra, and we have just put on another song by... David Bowie, dig this. This is the song that was too dirty, apparently. But they're not married. Here we go. Dust of you. Rainbow secrets. on here, but this is one of them. And that's just making us seem like we're haters. We love David Bowie. The whole point here is that you can make a terrible record and still be David Bowie. This is Uncle Arthur. Batman. Around the room is flying, how he ran away from mum. 
32nd birthday told her that he'd found the jump. Mother cried and raved and yelled and fussed. Arthur left her no illusion, brought the girl round, saved confusion. Sally was the real thing, not just lust. Okay. How old do you think David Bowie was when he made this? Well, these songs are f collected all from earlier recordings. Well, I don't know if that's true. I feel like he was, like, ridiculously young. I mean, apparently this record was made in 1970. But it's a culmination of weird songs. Like, I think he was born in 1947, so he would have, or 1949, so 21 or 23, something like that. But this is like a best of, is what it, it's like a collection of songs after the fact. I'm not sure. I might have been making that up. I think it is. Or it's a worst of. A best of horrible songs? We need to find out more about this <laughs> world of David Bowie. Okay, onward. Let's talk about music stuff. So, I know you haven't really delved much into the music scene here, but you have, like, gone to some clubs and are trying to, like, break into it. What do you think's, like, the most challenging or, like, what's the, what's the thing that's the hardest in terms of, is it the language barrier or is it, like, the... Because it's hard just getting shows, like, in the U.S., like, even if you're an actual, like go-getter kind of band that's sending like 10,000 emails and like all that shit like you can still get screwed and you can still get ignored well I haven't tried to book any shows yet the hard part is finding jazz musicians that are willing to rehearse that will take time to spend with you they don't yeah. just show up play the lead sheets you give them and then leave like building a band where it's actually a band yeah not just like yeah, I can say that I have the Cat's Meow band, but it's different people that come every time. Yeah. And there's no, like, core members. I'm so, so glad I'm not in, the in like, a jazz band for that reason. <laughs> that seems so hard. Yeah, because a lot of people, like, they just play. They're not, like, creating something new or don't feel the need to put some of their self into it. Um, so I'm not sure. It's I think it's quite hard to make money playing music here because there are just tons of musicians here. They're... Tons of musicians in Berlin, so there's a lot of competition to get shows, and a lot of people are just making tips from what people put in the hat. That's what yeah. they call it. Yeah. Um, but it is cheap to live here, so you can live on giving guitar lessons and touring neighboring countries, like going to Switzerland where they pay more. That's kind of cool. Like if you went on tour, you could go to all these different countries pretty mm -hmm. easily. Like that would be so yeah. like worldly, like jet setting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think that's what people do. Like they go on tour to other places where people want to pay to hear music. Yeah. Because I've been to some swing events and I asked the dancers like, oh, why aren't there ever live bands here? And like, oh, well, I couldn't afford it if there are live bands. Like it yeah. costs five euros to, you know, dance at this event with a DJ. But if it, if it was live music, it'd be 10 or 15. They're just not willing to pay that. Yeah. Like, they're not used to having to pay for live music. And, like, people make a lot less money here. And they're very thrifty. So it's sort of a value issue. Like, how much is it worth to you? Yeah. I, like, rather spend, go out less and spend money on hearing live music than go out and hear DJ yeah. 40s music. That's weird. Like, like, it doesn't inspire me as much to dance. Yeah. That's really, that's so different than back home. Like, I feel like people are just, as long as it's under $10, I 
I feel like they're totally down to spend yeah. the money. And they always want to hear live music. Yeah. But that's just, you know, let's say it's a small pool that I've gotten that sort of vibe from. Yeah. I'll know more when I go out more here. The sun's coming out. Yay! That means we can go swimming in the pool. Just kidding. <laughs> There's a pool down the street that we want to swim at, but it's too cloudy. It's, it rained a little bit, so... I think we should um, describe for the listeners the haircut that I didn't believe was real mm. that you told me about because I, I sent a message to Chakra saying, am I going to be weird because I have pink hair? And I'm not at all. I'm pretty normal. But she sent me pictures of what the actual hairstyle is here, and it looks like a lobotomy patient. Well, there are a couple of different... But you have to describe it because it's so fucking bad. Modern haircuts right now. Yes. One of them... Should looks... we start with like the most like he- he- like heinous and then like go down or rate them? Well, it's a personal judgment call which one you think is the most heinous. I know which one I think is the most heinous. But I'll wait until the expert talks and then I will give my two cents. Because I was literally like double take that I, it was even a real thing. Like I couldn't believe that, that people would do this to themselves. And I've had all bunch of really dumb haircuts in the punk scene. It's all well, about dumb haircuts. Ernie or Bert that has sort of the, that clump of hair on the top? They're like such a power couple. I can't like, <laughs> I, I can't tell them apart. I don't know. They're know. like, they're, they're Bernie. Yeah. They're so Herbert. Basically, I think the worst <laughs> one is having like a mostly shaved head, except you have like a tuft, like a circular or rectangular tuft of hair on like the very crown of your head. Okay. We saw this yesterday at the park and people were um, tightrope walking nearby and um, it looks like some sort of pinhead situation. It makes your head look super pointy and long and wrong and oblong. All those words rhymed. (laughs) <laughs> okay, what's the second one? That one is really bad. The second one, and I don't know what to call that one. I've seen sort of like South Asian Asian monks with haircuts like that. Oh, yeah. Um, it's like an anti-vanity thing, I guess. The, the, like, bo- look, the bowl cut? I can't be vanity because I have this really atrocious haircut. You mean the bowl cut one or, the, the, or the pinhead cut, one? The pinhead one. Okay, so yeah. let's talk about the monk one, though. Okay. Because that so one's crazy. If you're thinking like Martin Luther, like 14th or 13th century monk then you have like a straight bowl cut that goes all the way around your head except it's super short <laughs> like and if you like literally put a salad shaved. bowl over your head and just yeah. use scissors so mm-hmm. that's and then it's shaved in the bottom okay so i'm gonna spare you from us talking at length about the terrible haircuts of berlin and the terrible terrible scourge that is ugly core which is a lot like norm core but like deliberately ugly and the only reason i am cutting this out was because we had bigger fish to fry and we also didn't want to look like petty assholes because we're not we're really not petty assholes i promise so one thing that i learned about being in berlin throwing myself into a really challenging situation where i don't have you know, the city that I've lived in and all of the resources that I've been used to that I use to keep myself balanced and happy and the people that I rely on. I've been forced to really learn to take care of myself and to confront 
really like the biggest problems in my life because wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. Whatever career you're in, that's where your underlying problems still are. Yeah. Your self worth, anxiety, health problems, they'll follow, follow you wherever you go. Like changing your job or changing your city doesn't change those things. And by putting yourself, putting myself in a challenging situation, I basically forced myself to deal with those underlying issues because I couldn't succeed yeah. and ignore them. When you're in a comfortable place, you can get by sometimes. Like, you know, I can keep doing the same pattern that I've always been doing. But software development, um, because for me, it is... The problem is when you are talented, when you're just naturally good at things, when you can just figure them out, when you finally have to do something that you're not good at, it's really fucking hard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I chose to do something that's just not intuitive. Software development requires a lot of background training and like a completely different way of thinking than costuming or painting or singing or dancing or taking care of small children. Yeah. All the different things that I've done before in my life. And I found it triggering to not be good at something, to not be the smartest one, to not have it come easily and to have to really work and believe in my own intelligence, to believe in my patience and dedication and strength. And so I really got into meditation, um, mindful awareness, journaling, really looking at what my thoughts are, what kind of coping behaviors I had in my life that weren't serving me anymore, that I was using as crutches, because I felt so triggered emotionally, intellectually by being so in a sense, bad at, like, what yeah, I was doing. Yeah, because you're, like, learning it. Yeah. yeah, being a beginner again at 29 or 34 is hard. Yeah. You're supposed to be, like, in your career and a grown-up and having all your shit together. Yeah. And when you decide to start over in a new country with new friends, yeah. with a new career field, that is fucking crazy yeah. and scary. And you're like, can I do it? Do I have what it takes? So both of those things brought up a lot of doubt and I learned that actually I can make new friends and there are good loving people wherever you go in the world as much as I've bitched about how like mean and bitchy Berliners are yeah there are amazing people here and because I didn't know anyone I decided to jump into a meditation workshop And it's the sort of thing that I never would have allowed myself to spend money on in the past. Yeah. Like, I can't afford to spend $300 on a meditation workshop, even though it's less than the price of therapy if you buy it per week. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, I'm just not, like, an indulgent person. I don't, like, go to spas regularly or get my nails done or get, like, professional haircuts. Like, I've just never had that kind of money. Yeah. And... Like, always live paycheck to paycheck, working at nonprofits, or, um, you know, being, paying, being paid under the table. And so, it just never was something that I thought I could afford to do. But being so isolated from all my friends, not having the same support networks, I decided to just throw myself into it and 
Like over the years, I've realized that the only thing that you can't afford to do is take care of your health. Oh, the totally. You can't yeah. Afford to do is to not take care of that's yourself. So really like, whatever that means. Like having an apartment that's safe. Yeah. Where your health is supported. Like being in a, an environment in work that isn't negatively affecting your health. Um, being in toxic relationships with people. Those are the only things you can't afford yeah. to do. Yeah. And like money comes and goes. Like when you're making the right choices in your life, money comes. And it's not not a problem. Like that sounds super new agey. Yeah. But it just like has been my experience. When I started making good choices in my life, I found people that wanted to support me and help me. And I stopped being the person that was taking care of everybody else. So in throwing myself into challenging situation, I actually created the growth and like took on the growth that I wanted to have for years intellectually, but didn't know how to like make the change. Yeah. How to start being in a different way. You have to like be sick enough of what you're doing and be that lonely yeah. to really reach out to people and be like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take a language class just so I can meet 12 people. Yeah, totally. And in the meditation workshop, I met people that are going through the same thing, like trying to be kinder to themselves and figure out like how to listen to their inner voice and find out really what they really want to do. And to have more compassion for others. So that painted a very different picture of Berlin for me. Like it's not just cold and hostile. And so I went from California all the way to Berlin and ended up ended up um, in the school of like non-secular meditation that was started in California. (laughs) (laughs) But like I never would have allowed myself to do it. That's funny. And the meditation practice for me, like listening to my inner voice, doing mindfulness meditation, is what has made coding possible for me. Because I used to have anxiety attacks every single day at my first internship. Yeah. And even in the software boot camp, I like would sleep for two to four hours a night because I was so scared of like what it would be like to work with other students and have them think that I was dumb, like that I couldn't do it or that I wouldn't be able to figure it out. Like, for some reason, I just really felt like coding was for other people and not for me. And, like, even though I loved science when I was a child and our dad bought us, like, science kits. Yeah. Like, here's how you power a light bulb with a potato. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was, like, not interested in that at oh, all. Oh, I really loved yeah. it. Like, I loved, like, let's, like, learn how to make Morse code and, like, erector sets yeah. and stuff. I love that. And, like, I loved my 6th and 7th grade science teachers and... The nuns at my Catholic school that love geography and um, but then somehow maybe it just comes from our whole culture like yeah I think it does specifically I think it's from the culture who really supported us and being interested in science and learning and like being yeah. independent thinkers and like if you did believe in something that wasn't scientific we we're pretty much told that we're idiots like yeah um, and so that like has been hard and yeah it's like you can't be spiritual yeah I agree I've had to like really work to like find my own weird little spirituality that I like because mm-hmm. our parents were so like they're so hardcore atheists. like radically atheist yeah and like radically That's damaging too yeah I mean I'm glad that it, we weren't like brainwashed by religion but I know what you mean yeah it's nice just to feel like um you have you can choose and you're not like negative no like you're not a dummy for doing that yeah. like yeah so anyway even though we had that like positive view towards science I feel like it must have 
still come from the outer society because like why do I feel like I can't do computer science but other people can right but I've done like I've ridden motorcycles I learned how to take care of yeah with autism I learned how to sew costumes like all of these things without any training whatsoever and I'm like I just believe like I can do whatever I want but with coding like I don't like am I really smart enough can I really figure out how to do it can I think like that huh yeah, it's the culture it has to be. And I just like had to prove it to myself with evidence. Like, no, I am doing it. Yeah. Like I used to not be able to understand like what it means to iterate over a loop, and now I can like I can understand how the Twitter software is written. Like, how do you can you take it down from the inside? <laughs> um, take it down maybe. from the inside. <laughs> So like that's the sort of thing that I do. Like, okay, how do I display for you? How do I filter your friends' friends? And like, how do I tell you who you're following and how many people followed you? And how do you get but it's so the most current message? Because like, you're not. But you're like you're like not on Twitter or I'm not on Twitter at, or Instagram. No, actually, I do have a Twitter feed, but like I never use it. That's so funny. <laughs> like you're the most un. Like I'm so much more social media user than you are. Like. And I just enjoy it, like candy. Like I don't mm. even know how it works. And meanwhile, it's too much emotional energy for me. Yeah. Like I'm just a really like emotional, empathic person. And when other people are upset, it like yeah, I feel their anger, I, I feel their fear yeah. and their sadness. I, feel, I just can't. I'm I can't pretty take similar. It. I'm pretty similar in that sense. But when I when I'm on those media platforms, I try mostly to just put out content. Mm-hmm. So I'll just like release something into the world and try not to look at anyone else's like I'll like like people's babies and dogs and stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm not looking for like things to be. I, I don't want to be triggered either because I am pretty empathic too. So just like yeah, if I have something to say and I think it'll be like releasing to say it, I'll just say it or post it. Or just, like, be visible. Like, I like to just be visible in my life of what I'm doing for some reason. I don't really know. Yeah, I use it just to get information about events or to post my events and share music events or other creative events that I'm doing with people. But for me, like, my empathy is sort of my guiding star. And that is what makes me special in the software community and why I've gotten opportunities. Like, okay, one, I have an interest in functional programming, which is, like... They're sort of like a. Mm, there are people that are like evangelists for it that are really into it. It's like kind of more an underground coding movement. Uh-huh. So people that are in it like want to support each other, but also it's because I am different. Like I do come from a yeah. creative background. I'm older. I've worked with lots of different kinds. You're of like people, so young. Like super difficult people. I know, but I'm not like the 18 year old coder start when they're 12. <laughs> you know, like I'm a grown up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> And, but even though I don't have that much, you know, experience in the software industry, I have empathy and that's something that's really valuable. And a lot of those guys don't, the programmers don't. Communicate and I can see what's going on with people and how they're communicating. Yeah. So that is part of why I'll be a success because I can help my future team to communicate and be happy. But also, I think it's important for people of different backgrounds to be involved in making products. Yeah. Because if we have only programmers that are designing and building products, they're all going to be the same. Yeah. And every company will have the same sort of... No, I agree completely. Culture. That's how, like, the Uber situation happens. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's, yeah. So, 
in a way, my own, I don't want to say personality flaws, but like challenges from childhood yeah. and issues with like worthiness and doubting my intelligence have, are making me like the strongest out of everyone yeah. because I'm taking the time to deal with those issues and using like meditation and mindfulness is giving me insight into be like the best employee and person and friend and partner. Yeah. Because I'm really tuned in to what I'm going through and how I'm going to affect others and what other people are going through. Yeah. So while it's been pretty challenging to move to another city and learn a new career and make new friends, um, those challenges have pushed me to transform faster than yeah. I would have if I had stayed at home, continued doing the same things. Like, I could still be working at Beach Blanket Babylon, sewing sequins on for hours. And now you're just sewing sequins on for yourself. I only sew sequins for myself. <laughs> I only grew rhinestones onto rhinestones for myself. Oh my God. <laughs> no, seriously. It's Gl- awesome. Growing stacked rhinestones. <laughs> Gluing rhinestones onto rhinestones. That's like, uh, that's like your hobby. There's no such thing as too sparkly. Nope. I agree. <laughs> I totally agree with that. That's awesome. Well, I'm very proud of you, as you know, and very excited for what's going on with you. And I think it's a good example to a lot of people that are feeling doubtful or not sure whether to take the leap. I think this is like a really good, like, cautionary tale, but also inspiration because there's challenges. And I guess the main moral is wherever you go there you are so make the change but make the real changes not just like the superficial ones yeah when we throw ourselves into the fire we have an opportunity to grow and sometimes it fucking hurts (laughs) usually it's awesome at the end yeah because you've shown yourself what you can do yeah and now you get to go put those um, eyelashes on that you've been cleaning. <laughs> they no longer are covered with cat saliva. We're not going to answer any questions about how said cat saliva got onto anything. That's just a mystery. <laughs> thank you for being on this show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Let's listen to some more David Bowie. <laughs> If you are not inspired to make a big leap of faith, I cannot help you. Big, big, big thanks to my beautiful sister, Chakra, and her boyfriend, David, for hosting me and for that lovely conversation that was wacky, wild, uh, wise, (laughs) weird, and totally encrusted in rhinestones. Rhinestones on rhinestones on rhinestones. If you want to follow us, we're on Instagram at Sparkle and Destroy Pod. You can also follow my band at Haley and the Crushers. And you can email me at sparkleanddestroypod at gmail.com. Now I'm going to leave you with a little ditty that I wrote on the plane back to the US. It's just a little song that I've been working on. And uh, it's dedicated, of course, to my sis. All right, guys. See you next time. Smiling too big, laughing too hard, swinging her hips down the boulevard, leaving a trail of sequins and pins, an American in Berlin.
an American in Berlin, running her mouth, singing her song, chasing the wind while the elders look on. She never could ever get with the slog, an American in Berlin. An American in Berlin.